Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Monday, midday, and uh, I'm going to grab a chance here, I'll try to uh, do the Parsha, okay? Uh, because i got a lot of them uh, lined up this week, a lot of things to do. We're looking at the Parsha itself, which is very hard, uh, in my opinion. Today's uh, Parsha podcast is being sponsored by the Millers in Houston, Gideon and Nava Miller, uh, for some nice simchas. They had a new granddaughter that was born recently, and their name is Zahava, Zahava Miller. So that's a big simcha. Can't believe that they're grandparents. Uh, and also, they just had a bar mitzvah with their son, Rafi. And uh, and also, Gideon's actually getting a paper uh, published in Renaissance Studies, which is a, a, a genuinely peer-reviewed uh, academic uh, paper, and he's not a historian either. So, um, very nice. And in addition, I could throw in, we just had a corresponds about what I think is a Jewish censorship of an Abarbanel Haggadah. Remember I talked about the Abarbanel Haggadah the other day? He showed me one that his father-in-law Stan Goldman got years ago, I think. I got it right. And uh, uh, the original, you know, one from, from the 1500s. Not the first printing, the second from Venice. But anyway, and there, there was a part that was censored. First we thought it's the Christian censor, but uh, after he showed me a picture of it, I think it's Jews censored it. And as far as I can tell, because it sounded Christological. And those are from me crossed out a line or two in the Barbanel Haggadah, which I think is kind of cute. Uh, all right, but we won't pursue that. Let's talk about Parsha Tzav, which is actually kind of hard. Baker and Tzav is one thing, really. I mean, let's face it. And for most people, it's boring as all heck because they don't get into it. And I'll tell you what I mean. I'll jump right into this. There's a famous Rabbeinu Mechayet in this week's Parsha. It says like this. You know, they used to have Karbonis. Now we don't have Karbonis. Okay. So then, Unashalma Parms Fasenu. Just recite the Karbonas, and then, Mala Kasu Kilikriva. Don't you say that in some Nusach? You got the Nusach Spard, you know, the Hasidic Nusach, Harezek, Ilikrafti, this and that and the other. So, Sean, all you have to do every day is say Eza Makoman, and you, you, you did all the Karbonas. Uh, and that's what it does say in the Gemara. You know, there are many Chazals. I know you know this. That say, you know, now that the base of Mesh is destroyed, what do we do? All right, Nishalma Parnas Vaisenu, we will, you know, we will recite to Garbonus sincerely, sincerely. And then you'll say like this, look, Garbonus, what can I do? <laughs> and got no base on Migdos, what am I supposed to do? The best I can do is say it. <laughs> okay? And I might point out that our liturgy, soon I'll we'll have to talk about this and feel this stuff one of these days, one of these months. <laughs> um, and the liturgy is all around that, that you recite the, 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 the what do you call it? You know, the, when I think of the Musafim, and things like that, you know, you actually recite Shnei Parim, Shiva Elim, and so forth and so on. We're going to do that certainly on Pesach. And uh, what's that all about? You know, what's the idea of you repeat it? Now, this is offensive to the intellectual. It cannot be that something is lofty and so fancy schmancy and so replete with some symbolism or whatever it is, or whatever it is, because the Garbanas is a world by itself. Last week, I took the trouble to mention about the Rambam. 
and he's you know trying to defend the carbonus uh in that passage in the uh in the Mishnah Torah and he said even King David was you know uh, uh oppressed by the people who made fun of it and uh you know it's a highly complex matter uh and anyway to simply say like this you know just rattle it off this is offensive to an intellectual like and he says like this that um you know kolosik pasha sol kirkribola pasha mincha and so on and so forth for inyan hope i'm i'm quoting from ben bakhaya now vinyan shum is boning babira pasha you don't just rattle it off you're Ms. Bonain, but be our Parsha. In other words, you make all year long a permanent study of Parsha's Vayikra and Parsha itself. That's, that's what it means in essence. Okay? All this stuff that seems so boring when you just read it once in a while. Zos Taras Ola, Zos Taras Ashlamim, and so forth. No, you have to make a study of it. Okay? Shehu Ms. Bonain, but be our Parsha, El Eze Inyan Hiramezes. So it's just very interesting that um, the, everybody seems to agree. That the carbonos can't be a thing in themselves, but they must be a remez or a symbolism of some sort or another. The question is, what are you, what what does it symbolize? So that's your job. You have to be Ms. Bonane, El Aza Indian Huromezis. You have to figure out, you know, let's put it this way. We're not holding you responsible for getting it right. And we're not going to say like this, when you get to heaven, you'll discover the Ramban's shot was wrong and the Bene Bakhayev shot was right. Nothing like that. But you have to give it a good shot, right? So you have to study. At least, really, 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 you should figure it out on your own. I don't mean this to be funny. I'm not saying to be funny. You give it your best shot. You, the worshiper, every day, when you talk about the Ola and the Mincha and this and that and the other, Mizmer Lasoda and so on and so forth. So you say to yourself, you know, what does it mean? And when you're 20, you think of it one way. And when you're 30 and 40, you think of it another way, hopefully. And when you're 50, you think of it another way. And that's called being misboning in the beer pasha. That's good. Kimitoch kach yizgalu ene sichlo. Because as a result of you misboning, right? Every day when you daven, if you try to think what it means, right? Give it your best uh, shot, or at least make an attempt. Then sooner or later, the eyes of his seicha will open. That's a nice way of saying he'll make discoveries intellectually. Now he's giving a little rational. Once you understand more deeply the symbolism, what the carbonus mean, right? The trumas adeshan, all that stuff. What does it mean? I mean the carbonus, the, the burning of them, the, the you know, the whole ceremony. Uh, that'll make you, it'll inspire you. So look what he did. He rationalized what's essentially a mystic text. That's what they do in the Middle Ages very often. Rabbeinu B'chai is funny because you never know which way he's going. You know, Rabbeinu B'chai sometimes is going Kabbalistic route. Not rarely. Sometimes he's going Maimonidean route, like over here. So what's he saying? Then when you recite the Karbonas, then that will, that will help you to understand how God operates. Right? To the degree you can. And that will inspire you to be more from and do less of errors, and that's the idea of you doing the carbon. So it's not like you recite carbon chatas, and then mystically, it's as if you offered a carbon chatas, because that he finds offensive. 
It's almost Christian, right? But rather, you learn what a karm chatis is. This makes you think about what a chet is, and that will inspire you not to do a chet. Okay? Ki ain lomar. So let me put it this way. Durbanu Chai lived in Spain in what, the late 1200s, I guess? And uh, must have been a lot of people there. I'm serious. You know, must have been selling this. What do you want for my life? I did Navera. I recited the uh, Karmachatos. They ain't got the uh, sensibility of King David, like I mentioned last week in Psalm number 51. Kilo, Tachbots, Zebach, Ve'eteno, Ola, Loterza. David Amel says, Listen, I know I can't buy you off. The average person thinks like this. A lot of Balabatim said, Why can't I? Is, look, look, I want to tell you something. If it's a deal, you take it. The government's giving out food now, they take it. You know? If God says you recite a Karmachatis, it's like you offer a Chatis, I'll take it. So I'll do my sin. It's, it's a little like the Catholic, you understand? You know, put $5 in and then say this and this and your sin will be forgiven. So we can see over here, at least in my opinion, all I can ever tell you is my opinion, which is colored by a historical sensibility of what we do know about as places like Spain, but and not only there, uh, in the Middle Ages and other times, where people say like this, oh, whoever recites the carbon is like you offered it. So I did a lot of Averas. I know I'm a sinner, but you want to know something? I'm reciting carbonus every day, and it's like offered a karmachatus. You see, um, so he's he's against that. Ben Rechai, ain't lo marshatia kavona sheyege viigras loshan aparsha bibisukeho ho arumim bilvad. You can't read the naked text. Bisukeho arumim. You can't just read the naked verses. Pashim shot, you know, Zos Torah Zebachashim Masher Gekrivana Imalto Do Yagir. That's not enough. Meblisha Yizbo Name Beperusham. It can't be. Now, by the way, how does he know? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those mystical statements that goes beyond, uh, you know, our Hasagas. Whoever recites this must be that. But he can't stand it. Ukiyotsubi Amro. And similarly, he quotes the Gemara in Brochus, which says, Whoever says Ashrei, we've all heard this. Whoever says Ashrei getting into Olam Haba. Really? Really? So the guy says, But he says Ashrei every day. You know, the Shalas and Shubas are replete with what we would say notorious Chazonim who were, you know, and, uh, but they said Ashrei three times a day, you see? It can't be that. Hakavone, rather it means when you think of what it means, Whoa, there was a heavy ideas. So when you think about that, then you'll think of the of the glories and the wonders performed by the Banashalom. And that'll inspire him to have better haba. So this is a my their bain of is usually not considered a Maimonidean, but that is a Maimonidean shot if I ever heard about it, right? When we Tom's in, he goes on to say, and I'm telling you, I know in my bones he's talking about the Senate, you know, he was in Barcelona. I know he's talking about the Balabatim that he sees every day. We Tom said Tikn Khazal, Besader Tfiloso, Mishnah's Aza Makoman, Lumbachol Boker Boker. That's why we have Aza Makoman in the Davening. You know, with all the carbonos. So I but it can't mean right. So I know what it says. It says you say and you say 
you know, Shiari Adama Yeshevar, all this, that, and the other. It's like you did a, a carbon. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. Rather, you have to make a study. Now, how does somebody do that? First of all, it is possible, of course. And I don't mean this to be funny at all. You know, what comes out of all this is the idea that everyone should have a, a, a Seder or a Chavrus or something like that of 10 minutes a day, but every day for Bayekur Tzav. You know, in, in other words, for for Karbonus, for Kutchum. Not Kutchum in the wider sense, necessarily. You have to know which side of the Azar it is. So what I, I l- let me put it this way. Uh, the Rambam has 14 books in the Mishnah Torah. One of them is called Sefer Karbonus. It's not that long, actually, right? And uh, it is what it is. It is what it says. Part of it is also in Sefer Avoda. So a person who's serious about this will say, you know, I'll have every day a limud or a chavrus or something like this, male or female, uh, uh, and it's for anybody, to go through karbonus. And uh, that'll keep me, quote-unquote, intellectually in Parshish Vayikra and Parshish South, right? And, uh, you know, once I have that, I'll be rolling in it, and and and, and then at least, you know, I'll be more like what the Ben Abichaya says. Uh, not necessarily the exact way, because not everybody reads something about Karm Chates, difference of, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm going to repent. But you get the idea what he's talking about. Right? You get the idea what he's talking about. What bothers him, clearly, it seems to me anyway, uh, what bothers him is the idea, you know, of of the carbon minus the teshuva. You understand? The person who says, if you recite a, a chatas, it's like you offered a chatas, to be perfectly honest, even if you offered a chatas, it doesn't help if you didn't do the teshuva. Right? That's the problem in the beginning. I mean, it's not even necessary for me to say this, but everybody knows if you don't have the vidoy or whatever it is, you know, without the charata, what's the point of the carbon? That's why King David says, Kilo Tachbut Zevach Betena Ola Lo Terza. I mean, that's, that's the meaning, okay? <coughs> that is the meaning. Uh, now, that's on an individual level, by the way. Communally, there's a different story. We've talked about this many times. We have what we call carbonus at Sibor, and there things really do get mystical. But let's talk about the average individual, the Yachid. Can't beat it. You just do a sin, and then you know, <laughs> and then you say, "I guess all right, bring a carbon ashram, bring a carbon carbon chatas." It's it, it's not as simple. It's not as simple as that. Uh, it has to be accompanied by some kind of uh, a recognition of what you did wrong, and that sort of thing, which uh, leads me. I consider the two parshas together, so I'll mix, I'll mix and match. You know, we have in this week's parsha or vayikra and tzav. The just interesting the elitist uh, sins, right? Asher nasi yachto, asher imakona gadolim yachto lashmasam im kol ene Yisrael yachto, you know im kol das Yisrael yachto whatever the lashon is. We have these offerings. It's very interesting because they're mentioned before the individual that are brought by um, holders of public office, right? That's actually very interesting. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, in most cultures, including the from world, people are never wrong. <laughs> Leader, leaders are never wrong. Members of the elite. I, I can't think offhand, can you? Last time some big person said, oh, what I said last year was terrible. Can you imagine somebody, I mean, I think I'm right about this. Can you imagine somebody today, 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 is going to say, you know, I poskin this way in the corona, and I treated it like nothing, 
and now uh, I made a big mistake and I feel responsible for people's deaths or something like that. I, I can't even imagine somebody's going to do that, right? A rabbi, a big rabbi, something, you know, what they'll do is just move on. You, you understand? They'll just say, we don't hold this way anymore. We're moving on. Uh, it's, 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 it's quite interesting because the Torah expects, uh, you know, uh, matter of fact, there's a very fascinating, again, a reign of Achaya on this. Uh, that's when Asher Nasi Yechto, uh, because, you know, by the others, this is in, right? But when it says by the Nasi, by the king, let's put it that way, uh, or the prince, whatever, whatever the, lead, the political leader, it says Asher Nasi Yechto, when it happens. It doesn't say if it happens, but it says when it happens. So, uh, why does the Torah use that language over there? It's telling you something interesting. It's going to happen. It's a when. It's not a nif. Okay? Uh, again, I quoted Rabbeinu Mechaya. He says, Loshan Asher, Kiloshan Im. No, no, it isn't, he says. When it says Asher Nasi it means when it's going to happen. Let's put it this way. You have a president of the United States, he's going to sin. You have a, a prime minister or something, he's going to sin. You have a leader, political leader of Israel, he's going to sin. You have a political leader of the from world, I'll say again, the political leader from world, he's going to sin. The question is, will he have the honesty to say it and want to bring a carbon? Okay? And again, he says, And so forth. You see, some holders of office, like a coin Godot, it's conceivable that he would stick to the rules and not sin. Right? I'm sure there were Kohanim Gedolim that were, you know, adhered closely to the rules. A coin Godot is a public sacerdotal figure, and, uh, you know, the public act expects an act in such such a way. It probably does. Although we certainly had in Jewish history X number of Kohen Gadol's that were bums. I mean, we know that, right? But uh, And worse than bums. But still, you know, you won't say it's for sure. And that's why it says, Ima Kohen Gadol Yechta. And same thing with the Sanhedrin. You know, Im Kohen Gadol Yisrael Yishnu Go. Tam heim nizhar menachet l'fisha ruch ha-kodesh no-sevizalein. So Ben Mechai wants to give like a from shot. Do you have the Sanhedrin? The Avada, they have to have Siyata Dishmai and so forth. Okay? Anybody's a political leader, a king, a prince, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, Reish Galusa, anything like that, it's not possible to avoid arrogance. See what he says? Libo gas odbo. Some people, yeah, uh, he's saying a profound word over here, from politics, like Aristotle's politics. You know, many people, uh, I'll give you an example of what I mean. You have the average person out there, you say, I guess, what happens tomorrow if you win the Powerball lottery? All of a sudden you have 250 million bucks after taxes. What are you going to do? Oh, I'll be the same person I am right now, except I won't have to work so hard, I'll be able to quit my job, and more time for this, that, and the other, but I'll be basically who I am now. Right? Uh, that's nuts. Right? They used to say... I remember heard once 
a, a waitress won like a big Powerball lottery. She says, I'll be there tomorrow morning. Won't change me. Of course, she didn't come tomorrow morning. You know, <laughs> right? You can't help but change. If, if, if you wake up in the morning with 250 million bucks in the bank, you're not going to, it's not possible to be the same person you were. And frankly, you're going to have to deal with a lot of problems you didn't have before. I'm not wishing you shouldn't get it. I'm just saying it's going to, it, it has to make you change. Similarly, not only wealth, but power, political power. Person has a power, you understand? Uh, it's aphrodisiac, like Kissinger used to say. Right? And, um, uh, what do you call it? It's all, all, all I'm saying is that you can't change it. I mean, I'll tell you a story. My father was in the DP camps after the war. He was arrived at camps after he recovered. And he told me he was once, I'm trying, going back, I mean, long, died long ago. He was in this uh, um, uh, barracks, I guess, uh, with a bunch of Romanians, a bunch of people, uh, Romanians. That's the story he told me. Jews, of course, we're all survivors. And these guys used to have fights with each other. You know, they're involved in all kinds of smuggling and this, that, and the other. And uh, the long and the short of it is, since he was an outsider, they made him like he should be like the judge. Get it? You, you know, if there are any fights between them, he should judge the case. And uh, he said, okay. And, and like, they paid him, you know. And there was some case, you know, with two guys, two smugglers arguing with each other. One guy said, I'm right, right, right. And, you know, and they asked my father. He said, this one's right. And the other guy got so angry, I think he wanted to hit him or something like that. And my father said something like, get this guy off of my back, or, or words to that effect. And they yanked him off and they beat him up, right? And then he realized, he is, boy, power is aphrodisiac. You know, he used those words. Uh, just with one word, you can get somebody hurt. And he quit, you know, he left. Because uh, that, that wasn't what he wanted to do. Uh, so it's not possible to ban a says somebody be a melech, a nasi, uh, you know, uh, any any kind of leadership position, a Rosha Shevet or something like that, without Libo Gospel, without obtaining the arrogance, and the Midas Agaiva is going to be the cause of the sins because he's so powerful. Uh, now I want to tell you something. This is not only a Bina Bechaya, this is classic political philosophy. That's Machiavelli's book, The Prince. You know, what Machiavelli was writing for dictators, how to be the best dictator. I'm serious. In the Renaissance period, of course. And, uh, you know, he was, he was friends with, uh, what do you call it? Caesar Borgia, Chantere Borgia. So um, he says there's a basic problem. You want to be the prince. You want to be the dictator. But since you be dict if you have all the power, you're going to have Gaiva, and it will cause you to make mistakes. So if I want to be a successful dictator... It's necessary for me to have a mechanism where some people can criticize me, at least behind closed doors. He says she have a few friends who do it, but Sina, not before Hesia, who will prevent me from making mistakes that my arrogance will will, will lead me to. I mean, it's a it's a deep uh, chachma. No, it's a it's a bechaya. When it says Asher no siyato, Asher no there will not be anybody who has a big power that won't make a mistake as a result of that power. And therefore, the Torah says like this: we have a mechanism. Uh, we have a mechanism for him to say I was wrong. And that's why the Torah says later on, you know, in, in Book of Dvarim, you know, the Hanasim Libom Gospam, 
So the, according to this interpretation, even when the Mishkan was, was first being, the money was being raised, the Nevi'im gave stuff that will be used on the Urmah Tum and things like that, Alev Aaron, acknowledging that because we are Nisim, we are prone. Notice we can't help but have Gaiva because it's it, it you know it goes with the office. Even the Gemara says the Talmud Chacham have a Shminis and Mishminis. There's a little Gaiva you need, and somebody's not a Talmud Chacham, just a, a, a political leader or something like that. It's going to have more than the Shminis and Mishminis. Uh, so so you have to realize that the Gaiva can can mislead you, and you'll make mistakes which will bring you down. You understand? So what I'm trying to say is like this. This is your own self-interest. It's called enlightened self-interest to recognize that certain things are going to cause you to, 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 to stumble and recognize your own, your own problem. You know where we saw this recently in history? In the Second World War. You had leaders like Hitler and Stalin. Uh, if you study it closely, you'll know. Hitler shot himself in the foot. He caused all the, all the Germans to lose the, the war because he got to the point of megalomania and uh, he's never wrong, and um, he contradicted all the generals, and he's never wrong, and the general said, if you do this, he's going to lose, and he lost, and he lost, and he lost, and he lost, he can never say he's wrong. See, even when he lost in Stalingrad, and then he lost another one at Kursk, and then he lost here, and also he lost millions of men, but see, he's Hitler, he's never wrong. You, you get it? Nobody could criticize him, nobody could tell him he's wrong, he wouldn't be Macabo, and so this would brought him down. He had no mechanism. He didn't have, let's put it this way, carbon katas. Now, you can, you know, explain that, you know, uh, spiritually and otherwise, but I'm just saying, we see uh, examples of it in our own time. Same thing, same thing in, um, in what do you call it? In, um, you know, Stalin and, and people like that, and, and people around the world now. Uh, actually, look at Israel, look at America. When's the last time you ever heard a politician say I made a mistake? Uh, I mean, seriously, I did a terrible thing. I don't know one, uh, you know, if, if you know, email me, you know, it doesn't come to mind. And here we have Asher Nasi Yechter, the Nasi is going to sin. Therefore, we have a special, <laughs> and by the way, it's at the beginning of Ayikra, you know, it's, it's taken, it's taken for granted, this is going to be a, a piece of the, uh, uh, of the pie. So I consider that to be a very uh, um, interesting insight. Uh, and that is what the Ben Chaim means when he says, that when you recite these carbonus, you'd be, m- m- uh, what do you say, uh, misbonain in the beer hamitzvah. You try to understand the nugget that it contains. And that's something you can carry around the pocket all day long. So one way is to think it through, like I just said, for as an example. The other way is to go and study, you know, the Ram Hill, uh, the Sefer Carbonus. You know, 10 minutes a day, 5 minutes a day, it doesn't matter. The whole point is just do it every day. And then you're holding in it. And then it comes out something interesting. And, and if you do that, then when you read my Yikra and Sav, you know, it's not so boring. Uh, I'll just share with you mm, two ideas. What? Two examples of ideas. We have the Carbonola. Uh, and, you know, many, if you wish to, and if you have the time, you know, uh, how should I put this? All these things you can do through the medievals. Um, if you have the ability, you can work your way through the Rambam, and he'll explain the basic idea behind the Carbonus from his perspective. Uh, if you want a more simple system, just do that Barbanel. That's always the best, because he brings everybody else's opinion, the kids are. But um, these ideas, of course, 
these these approaches are all based on the idea that the carbonas represent you know idea uh, notions uh, shitas. So once a carbonola, carbonola you know is all burned up. Uh, what's the idea of a carbonola being burned up? Most of the carbonas like the shlomim, you eat the food, right? You only burn the the fats and the uh, the blood. Most of you eat the food. So a shlomim is is the idea something along the lines you know we can make peace by eating together. But the ola, you don't eat anything, as we all know. So, what kind of a business is the ola, you don't eat anything? Uh, I'll tell you my opinion. Maybe somebody says this, maybe they don't, I don't know. When I see the carbonola, this is the origins of Hasidus. This is the, the symbolism of Hasidus. I want to be mock of the whole thing to God, and I don't get anything out of it. Right? You know, if I do a carbon shlomim, or something like that, or a todo, whatever, so, I'm basically doing a certain type of barbecue. It's ritualized, but I'm bringing the food home or wherever I'm eating it and basically I'm having a barbecue uh that's the bottom line so what's well you know what's there not to like uh I wouldn't eat the blood anyway I wouldn't make the chaylev anyway the chaylev is no good not to show me the chaylev right so this way you offer up in the carbon so and essentially it's all good when you do a carbonola so that would represent you know the average Jew and the average mitzvah you do a mitzvah you get something out of it <laughs> right uh many mitzvahs actually or the type that, you know, that you benefit from it. Uh, we're going to have a, a soon a Karm Pesach. At the end of the day, you're eating Pesach Matzah you know, you're getting a nice meal out of it. Back in the old days when they had a base of Mikdash. Right? You're getting something out of it. But a Karbanol, you can get anything out of it. So why does a person want to do it? The Karbanol is always voluntary. Voluntary. So why does a car- person want to do it? I want to do it. Shut up. I just feel like doing it. Why? That kind of thing. Why do you want to do it? What are you gaining out of it? That's Chasidus. No, the, the Torah is telling you, Moshe Rabbeinu is telling you at the very beginning, the book of Ayikra is telling you at the very beginning that, you know, he ha'ola. we have a concept that a person wants to bring a carbon just because they want to make God feel good to show how much they love him. And that's part of, you know, that is part of, of, uh, of the system of Judaism. You do not, I repeat again, you do not have to bring a car, an ola, right? It's a voluntary, and they say the ola is for bad machshavas, things like that. You have to do it. So it's something you want. You want to do it. Anything is because I want to do it. Already is, is what we call chasidus, because it's 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 lifting me. Sure, so that I don't. I'm not required. You see a chattis I got to bring. I got to do a chattis, and the uh, shlomims of various types you got to bring. You know uh, the pesach, the shalmei tzi. Uh, what do you call the shalmei yontev? You know what I mean. The shalmei chagiga. There, there, there are certain types of garments you got to bring, and all you don't have to bring. So why does somebody want to do it? The answer is a person wants to sacrifice himself, not literally, uh, for Hashem. Meaning he wants to spend his life in the vote of Hashem. Why do you want to spend your life in the vote of Hashem? Why don't you, why don't you pursue this? Why don't you pursue that? No, this is what I want to do. So the Ola, which is right there at the very beginning, represents Ola, some, something high. You know, it's rising. You want to live on a more elevated uh, level. But it's done in the form of the symbolism of carbon. You're taking a whole animal and you're just quote-unquote, wasting it. No, I'm not wasting it. I don't call that wasting it. I want it to, makes me feel good that Hashem feel good. Like that. Okay? And incidentally, if you want to really pursue it in this week's Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu does a carbonola, meaning he's a carbonola. Because at the end, what's the, what's the second half of Parsha's Sav about? The inauguration of Aaron at the beginning of the Milum, of the inauguration of the Mishkan. Correct? Um, in this week's Parsha, Moshe... Um, Moshe does... Hold on one second. Yeah, sorry. I do. 
making my mushy garden appointment. Dentist, I had a dental emergency. Anyway, um, while I'm waiting for that, I was saying, if you look in this week's parsha, Tav, that is. Uh, so, as we know, Moshe was told earlier that Aaron is going to get the job. Moshe wanted the job. That's my point. Moshe intensely wanted the job, but God didn't give it to him for whatever reason. So he's, and not only God doesn't give it to him, the job of calling God and all the rest of it, which Moshe wanted, but he even, I mean, this is like almost exquisite torture in a certain sense. They said, I guess, you will inaugurate our own. <laughs> you know what I mean? Half the parsha today is via Fadat Lo Beifada, Bechoshan Ephod, via Fadat Lo and via Geishas, Parachatas, Ashadis. You know, Moshe literally gives hands on instruction to Aaron and the and the sons down to the end of the parsha. That's the second half of Tzav. To, 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 for, for, to how to run the Mishkan. And then next week's Parsha is Shemini because it starts but the seven days of Mulum are in this week's Parsha. I mean, I know you know that. So, um, uh, Moshe, you know, has to go through all the motions and he's already mastered how to do it. To inaugurate Aaron, introduce him, show him what to do, give him directions, all the rest of it. Uh, let's put it this way, Moshe is the Olo. <laughs> you know, he's the carbon. But big Moshe Rabbeinu, he'll do it. He doesn't mind. How do we doesn't mind it? We told Moshe and I were one of the rare couples where they did where there was no sibling rivalry. I don't know if I've ever heard that in history, right? Moshe and I are no sibling rivalry. So much so that in Tehillim, as we all know, King David dedicates an entire psalm. What is it? One thirty-three and one thirty-four. Shabbos Achim Kam Yachad Ketal Yosha Al Aram. You know all that stuff. The Moshe and Aaron actually, you know, got along great. But it was, listen closely to what I'm saying. The fact that Moshe was not Makane Aaron doesn't mean it didn't hurt. <laughs> Can you understand that? Right? The fact that Moshe didn't have a, a bad feeling about Aaron getting the job doesn't mean he, he didn't have a bad feeling that he did not get the job. Not in a bad way, okay? But Moshe wanted it. And, and by the way, every person who strives to get closer to God should want a job like that. But it wasn't testing for him. And so, uh, that's the ultimate act of Hasidus. Get it? Moshe said like this, I'd like to get a job, but if Hashem said to do it, if this will make Hashem happy, then I'll do it happily. Okay? If it were up to me, I would take the job. But, okay, yeah, you know, Hashem knows better, of course. And uh, it's not even knows better if this is what he wants. It's not a question of who knows better. It's, this is what he wants. If this is what he wants, then I'll do it. Um... So that is, I think, one very interesting example uh, where you see the Carbonola kind of personified and you see what it means. This, what we call in Hebrew, in English, the spirit of sacrifice. Uh, self-sacrifice. The whole Jewish religion runs on self-sacrifice. If everybody wants what's in it for me, and that's the problem with the modern American Jewry. Everybody says, what's in it for me? People say, I want to join the shul. What's in it for me? Instead of like Kennedy saying, what can I do for the shul? You know, what can I do for the seaboard? Uh and the best people in the community are people who feel on their own that they want to do something for the Tzibor. Uh I know what it's like in Baltimore, and I'm sure it's like in your community also. You see the best... You, you want to know the Carbonola? The guys who started, you know, this thing or that thing, hit obviously Yisrael or the, you know, the, the Misaskim or, you know, the Chaveirim, and so on and so forth. They want to do it. <laughs> right? Why do you want to do a miss? What do you get out of it? A lot of people couldn't understand why somebody would want to do volunteer work for the for the Cibor. Volunteer work for the Cibor. Now, by the way, there's plenty of people tell you to do volunteer with Cibor and then you find out they're getting money for it. I'm not talking about them. I am not talking about them at all. 
okay? We'll, we'll leave that uh, stone <laughs> not turned over. But there are also plenty of people who do it, you know, Shalom and Asa Kabbalah and they want to do it, you know, because they want to do it. They they want to do the carbonola, okay? Uh, similarly, another, so I'm just pointing out that that didn't take any, I mean, if I could figure it out, anybody could figure that out. That didn't take no genius. You see that that's a basic concept of the Ola. What I mean to say is like this, when you daven, I'm, I'm following what the Rebbein Abakai said, and you do Aza McComan or, you know, uh, in the Musaf and Shabbos or something like that, and you see a reference to Ola's Tomid or this, that, and the other, uh, you think along the lines that I just suggested. I'm saving you the trouble having to wade through those long abarbanels and those very long Akedis Yitzchaks and so on and so forth. If you want to do that, because it's a hate, I'm the last person to stop you. But you don't have to be the world's genius to figure something like that out. If you work out what does the Ola mean, and every time you say Ola, you think, as I... I, as I just said, it's, it's, it's the person wants the sacrifice of himself. Just L'Shem Shamayim. He wants to do it. He's a, he wants to be a chassid in the original sense of the word chassidus, right? Um, great. Then you understand karbon ola. Then you come closer, karev. You come closer to God by this elevated uh, attitude. And then whenever you say karbon ola, you think like that. And then I, I do believe, even Rebbein Abachai would admit, that if you said the karbon ola with that kamona, it's like your makarbon ola. Like your macaronola. Uh, and, you know, you see what I'm saying. Now, Mincha, which is in this week's Parsha also, both both Parshas cover the same five carbons, don't they? You got your um, your Ola, your Mincha, your um, Shlomim, your Echatas, and Osham, I, I think. Isn't that right? If you consider the carbon Mincha, especially I'm saying this a few days before Pesach, I'm doing it for a reason. And I just walked up and picked up the art scroll, the, the blue chumash. What am I talking about? The, the, the stone chumash. And if you look at the stone chumash, they have something really cool all the way at the end. And on uh, page 1294. That they did very nicely. And by the way, this is a good way to approach it also, if you're that type. I recommend this also very highly. To look at the charts at the, at the back of the stone chumash, all the way in the late 1200s. You know, they got the mincha offerings, the whole chart, and the, the animal offerings and so forth. It's good because the average person... And even the non-average person, when you read by Iker and Sabah, you get confused, right? So if I'm looking at the mincha offerings, and it's got the following columns. Type of mincha, type of flour, quantity of flour, quantity of oil, levona, preparation, offering, and so forth. And then you go down your different minchas, some of which are mentioned in these parshas. Actually, most of them, if not all of them are. Uh, most of them, it says, Solus, Machwas, Marcheshes, Chalos, Rekikim, Minchas Kohen, that's in this week's parsha. Chaviti Kohen Gadol, Minchas Chinuch, Minchas Chote, Minchas Kanos, Minchas Omer, Minchas Nesachem, Minchas Nesachem, Aboyim Omer, and so forth. Now, um, what's interesting is that we're dealing with Minchas, which are flower offerings of one kind or another, you know, the Kometz. Uh, what are what kind of flower offerings are offered in the Temple? They're never Chometz. Isn't that interesting? They're never Chometz. Look, uh, look, I'm reading down the the, the, the the column on page 1294 in the art scroll. <laughs> Save me the trouble. Going through all the different carbonas, right? The voluntary ones and the obligatory ones. It's mixed with oil, mixed with oil, fried in a griddle, mixed with oil, fried in a pan, mixed with oil, baked in an oven, baked in an oven, smeared in wafers, mixed with oil, scalded in the hot water, mixed with oil, scalded in the hot water, uh, mixed with oil, mixed with oil, mixed with oil. <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what I'm talking about? These are all what's offered always 
with the uh, with the carbon or the mincha offerings is a f- not flour and water. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not lechem oni. It's not flour and water. It's always flour and olive oil, uh, which is just interesting. So it's always matzah, if I can use that term. It's not lechem oni. It's what we call matzah ashiro. It's rich because the the uh, ingredient, the oil, as opposed to water, is considered a rich ingredient. I've never tasted, I always keep talking Menashe about it, one of you will get around to it, I've never tasted if someone made a matzah just with the oil. Do you understand? Matzah with olive oil. Now, uh, that's matzah shira, you know, right? In America, they have what they call egg matzah, which is, happens to be made different. But I'm just saying, it's, uh, and anyway, it's not, it's a Ashkenazi style with the griddle and all that, you know, the way we make matzahs. But we talked to a Sephardi guy, and uh, it's Friday Shamatzas. And uh, now the Sephardi Shamatzas are, as we all know, much softer and that sort of thing. I've seen them. Uh, I'm not Sephardi, but um, I have a couple guys like that in Shoal. And, um, but they're real matzah. That is to say, they're lechemoni. Okay? The matzahs these guys get on Pesach is like, you know, it's it's their style, but it's, it's lechemoni. It's 100% kosher for, for anybody. And um, I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about a, 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 that kind of a matzah, which was with not oil, but I'm not water, but oil. That was used in the temple, and that itself tells you something very interesting, right? Because and there's a, there's a few exceptions, but very rare exceptions. There are no exceptions among the regular minchas, and then there are among the baked what he calls the non non altar baked offerings. And those you have four things: the lechem upon him, the shteilechem, the lachmitona. And Lachme El Nazar. So of those uh, four, so as we know, the Shtei Alechem, which is on Shavuos, of course, is Chometz. That's extremely usual, unusual. Many in the Mepharshim talk about that. This is why they talk about it because they know that everything else is, is never, it's never Chometz. And also part of the uh, of the Toda, carbon Toda, part of it is um, is Chometz. But it's highly unusual. So most of the time, when you do when you go into Beis Hamikdash, you never do Chometz. So that itself is, again, you don't have to be a, a, a Maimonides to figure out that they're saying like this, God does not want something with the, with the, with the East is rising. Because that represents a gaiva. It represents a, a evil. It's what we call Seor Shabbi Iso, and so on and so forth. Like, uh, um, I think I mentioned this in the Radvaz yesterday. I'm sure I, I think I mentioned it in the Pesach talk I did. Uh, right? The rising over there. And basically she went, now it's not Lechem Oni, right? Uh, the you know the Torah wants the base of Mishra run fancy. Uh, I remember first seeing this long, long ago in the Netziv Haggadah. He mentions this in a number of places. Again, that's one of the Haggadahs I like. And uh, uh, you know, in the base of Mishra, of course, they would eat, if you're a coin, uh, one of the things you're doing is all the time eating these these uh, flour things, but they're never chametz or almost never. You know what I mean? They're never chametz, uh, and that itself is telling you something. So I just mentioned two items out of many. You got your Ola, which represents your Hasidus, the fact that you want to just give it all without getting anything out of it. And that's the type, that's the type of relationship you want to have with Hashem. You don't have to, but it's very lofty. And then you have the Mincha, which Mincha actually means, you know, a, a, a gift offering. But the gift cannot be associated with arrogance. It can't be, it can't be Hametz. Now, like I said before, I'm sure you'll find this somewhere in the Barmanel, the Ralbag, or all that stuff. You, you will but you'll have to wade through a million words. I didn't do that. I just thought of it on my own. Meaning, when you, when you look at the list and you and, and you do intelligent 
uh, comparisons, you can kind of see that. So where am I going? Uh, this week is going to South. One of the things I recommend you do is get the stone comish, which everybody kind of has in their shoulders anyway, I suspect very strongly. And you go back, like I say, to the 1290s, all the way to the end, and they have these very, very interesting charts, and be misbonane in those charts, the way their Ben said. Uh, I'm not telling you you have to go misbonane in all their barmanels, but you have to be misbonane, at least in the chart. And then when you see the pattern, then it starts to uh, jump out at you, and then you're misbonane in the meaning of the carbon, and then next time you say Isimakoman, it'd be considered like you offered a carbon, which is a very good deal if you can get it. Uh, so I think, that, in my opinion, this, this is, um, you know, the most useful way to approach these two parshas, other than just read them and, you know, and to worry about ace and s and who and he. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. So you can go to the long road, which is always the best. And like I said before, you say this year, I'm just going through all the Marnabuchans. <laughs> that's, that's it. Hold your nose and jump in. Uh, or the, all the apartments. Uh, which will be easy to read, but longer. Uh, or, or the Rambag, if that's your thing. But um, the shorter way is what I just said before. Be misbonating in the charts and that sort of thing. And you'll get the shot in it. Listen, next year you'll understand a little bit differently. Maybe five years now you'll see a pattern that didn't occur to me. Uh, but but the General Mahalik is the one that I'm recommending. And with that, I wish you a good shot. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.